So we're flipping now to our topic today, which is planning for retirement. It's not all about wealth, but we want to define this period. This period of life that we're talking about here is called the empty nesting years. It's like after your kids have grown up and they've left, you're not long, no longer paying huge tuition fees to universities for them. You're not, they're not on your insurance anymore. You know, they're on their own. They got their own car. They're not, they're not borrowing yours and you're not insuring their driving. Um, we're looking forward to that stage. <laughs> Two or three more years, and we're, we're ready for, for that to happen. So this is, um, you have a huge amount of savings as they move off of you from those expenses. Plus, you usually, during this year, until you retire from those empty nest years, those are your peak employment years as far as pay goes. So you're taking in an awful lot of money. And uh, so the temptation is, why not take a second mortgage out, and uh, why don't we make a, you know, get a new car? Let's make everything fancier. Let's, let's, let's live life a little bit. You know, we've been through the grind. Let's just, uh, let's, do, let's spoil ourselves a little bit. So that's a temptation, but we want to encourage you to be cautious in that because this is also a time when God wants us to be unselfish and help to be generous with others. And we'll look at a few quotes that'll help flesh that out. So we use a format, um, Jesus uh, said, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. So you have heard it said, conventional wisdom says, put all, away. all the money suck you can into your retirement. <laughs> this is a time to just sock it away to make the biggest nest egg possible. So after you accumulate a large nest egg, then from that nest egg, you can start to fund things and projects that you believe in. We don't buy that principle. We don't believe that the principles of Scripture would allow us to buy that principle either. You know, and um, when we were really um, hashing out doing today's seminar, um, you can go to a lot of places on retirement and get a lot of good advice from the worldly perspective, but there's not a lot of people who are challenging, uh, challenging us to do it from God's perspective. So um, we're not going to spend a lot of time on what you can get everywhere else. We're going to spend most of our time on a different perspective. And just like we've said on all of our other seminars, we're giving you our ideas, but we are not the Holy Spirit. It has got to be between you and God, what God is convicting you to do in your life. I want to challenge you, but I don't want to be the person who's telling you what to do. Everybody has to make those decisions on their own. All right, so we're going to be looking at some of the things that the Bible says. All right, so we look at the text, Matthew 10, 8. Freely you have received, freely give. You know, by the time you figure you got your health, your education, by this time you've already paid off your student loans, you've paid off your car loans, you're making huge strides in getting free of your house loan. Um, so... Now's a chance also to freely give. You've received, and now you can freely give as well. Next one is Proverbs 6, 68. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So there's We're going to come back to this text again. The principle of, of laying aside as, as you anticipate the years when you will not have income, as per se, as a retired person. Proverbs 21.5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. And we talked about this. So much opportunity for speculation. 
so many um, I get would, rich quick schemes. get rich and also people call senior citizens on the phone they target senior citizens because they know that senior citizens have been diligent usually in setting aside a nest egg and so they want to try and get them to invest their money to capitalize on for their own profitability. First Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. I'm going to tell you, they are uncertain. But trust instead in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them, notice these four things right here. Let them do good. You know what the blessings God's given you? Let them be rich in good works. We're not just talking about money, but even you know, volunteering in the community for health events or, or whatever. You can do good works. But it goes on. It talks about ready to give, willing to share. Why? Because, verse 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So that's a great text to take into perspective. As we near those retirement years, you know, and this is this is um, Jesus saying, "But I say unto you, you know, the Bible, the world is saying, sock it away, get as much as you can, get your million, and and but Jesus is saying as to us through the Scripture, let them do good, good works, ready to give, willing to share. It's just so contrary to what you're going to be getting from the world. Yeah." Okay, and then um, this is my favorite text that I put in, so I said, this is mine. <laughs> um, Ecclesiastes 5.10. He who loves silver will what? Not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. In other words, whatever you love, you'll never get enough of. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about this, but you know, if, if you're wanting to get a million, what's going to happen when you hit the million? You're going to want to. And oh, um, I, I can't remember who it was, but um, some people who were just driving after wealth, hugely rich, they just wanted $1 more. Just $1. I mean, it's always just, they're never going to be happy with what they have because their goal is to get money. And if that's your goal, you will never be satisfied. But you know, the, the flip side of that is also true. Because if you love God, you never have enough of that either. You always want more, right? There's that, there's that yearning in your heart for more and more and more. So this, this uh, principle can go both ways. And we want to turn it to the good. You know, if you, have, if you find joy in giving, you want to do more of it, right? And so that's the side that we want to be on. We don't want to be on the side that's just grasping, me, me, me. I know, let me have more, I want more, I want more, I want more. Okay, and your last one is... So the last one we got here is uh, Genesis 41, 34 to 37, talking about Pharaoh and Joseph. Joseph said, there's going to be a famine in the land. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and there's going to be seven years of famine. So the suggestion was choose somebody to set aside during the seven years of plenty, and the amount that was set aside, interestingly enough, was 20%. 20% of the corn went into the silos for the seven years of famine. So even from here, we can learn some lessons about retirement. Put some money aside for those years when there won't be any, where there won't be any food. Okay. He's got some good stories to tell you. I love these stories. I don't know if we'll have time for all of them, but at least get some of them in. 
So John Wesley is, a, a, to me, an example of a good steward. John Wesley, uh, he made a certain amount, I think it was 125 pounds or something like that. And uh, so the organization he worked for, uh, they gave him a pay raise, up this pay, another 25 pounds. And uh, he looked at everything and he said, you know what? He said, um, everything's the same, so that's just extra 25 pounds that I really don't need. So he took that extra 25 and he said, I'm going to put that out to charity. He got another pay raise a few years later, and uh, pretty soon he was up to 200 pounds. But again, he didn't really need that, so he said, you know, I'm going to farm that out to charitable work also. So he established something we talked about earlier, finding out what is your end goal? What's, the, what's your finish we line? Oh, we're we're going to do that today? Go ahead. Okay, so and once you hit that, then everything above that, now that you have that need map, should go out to be a blessing to others. The legacy that we should leave is we blessed the world through, you know, God says, make friends with unrighteous mammon. You know, that's one of the ways we bless the world through serving and helping um, and the work as well. Uh, so rather than accumulating a huge, gigantic nest egg that we're going to parley out when we die to our inheritances to whomever. So it's a, it's a good lesson. John Wesley also, he had, um, this was before he decided, you know, not to take any the pay raises, cost of living raises continue to go to charitable work. Uh, but uh, he had just bought himself a bunch of pictures to put in his house. And then he realized that the, the lady who was working as um, cleaning the facility and all that, that she had a threadbare uh, clothing and she didn't even have a jacket. And in England it gets kind of cold. And he went out and he got rid of that stuff. He sold it. He turned it back into cash. And he immediately went out and he bought something nice for her to wear. Because, you know, it's more important to help a brother or sister in need than it is to have nice furnishings and accommodation. So John Wesley, I, he's an excellent example, in my opinion. And one of, of my favorite is George Mueller. And we talked um, yesterday about living by faith. George Mueller um, was incredible in the amount of faith that he had. And um, I don't know if he ever said that he had more than how much to his name, because every, as soon as it came in, it went out. As soon as it came in, it went out. And, you know, we have here, set an end goal, and then stick with it. So this goes two ways. You can either set an end goal, you, you, you know, and, and I, it is good to be prepared for the future. So you, they have, and I'll show you, um, we have some websites where you can have retirement calculators, and you can figure out how much you think you need for retirement, you know, to... So figure that out. That's good. Sit down and figure it out. But then once you figure it out, say, this is my end point. When I have made that much money, anything God gives me above that, he's giving to me to pass on, right? So again, we talk about, you know, if you want your million, you get it. And then you say, oh, well, now I'm moving my goal. I'm going to move my goal. We don't want to move our goal. We want to stick with our goal because we, make, we can make a pact with God and say, okay, God, when I reach this, I know that you and I are making a pact that means everything else goes beyond. So that's, that's a big picture, but a little picture can also be, Lord, this is how much I really need to survive on a daily basis, you know, my monthly income. And if I can survive on $1,500 a month and you give me a raise to 25, I don't really need that. I know I can survive on 1500 Why don't I, you know, am I going to just increase my my cost of living or not cost of living, but 
my, yeah, standard of living. Do I just keep increasing my standard of living to match what I'm making? Is that what God is calling us to do? Because when he gives us raises, and the Bible talks about all of our blessings come from him. So when we get a raise, guess who that's from? It's not from our employer. It's from God, isn't it? And, and so, and I'm not asking for us to all live a life of poverty, although there are some people who do, and I applaud that. But I think that sometimes we just, you know, we have, oh, we have a raise. Well, I can do more. It's like, you know, I was doing fine before. I can continue to do fine, just like John Wesley. John Wesley. He was, yeah. You know, it's not just the religious people that are like that. Yeah. Uh, you got people like uh, um, the founder of Walmart. You know, he drove a old truck that was more than like 25 years uh, from, from the years that he was working. And he wouldn't get rid of it because it worked fine. He took care of it. He liked it. So I don't need to get a new truck. That's ridiculous. And there's other people. He lived a simple lifestyle. Same thing with, uh, I can't remember the name of the company I was reading about. It's uh, this company, of a family company. I think it was from Indonesia. And uh, they ended up becoming billionaires. And the thing that was kind of fascinating was that they continued to live a simple life at home. They stick with their rice and whatever else they put with that. They didn't change. They didn't up their standard of living proportionate to the increase in wealth that they accumulated. And so they were able to do more things as far as being generous with that. And when we think about everything that we have belongs to God, it makes it easy to have that kind of a perspective because it all belongs to him anyway, doesn't it? The founder of Harris Pine Mills. Anybody work at Harris Pine Mills back when That's they... a West Coast thing. Yes, <laughs> I guess it's a West Coast thing. All right. So the founder of Harris, Harris Pine Mills, he actually flipped it. He actually lived on 20% and he gave God and charitable work 80%. So We think about living on 80% and giving 10% tithes and 10% offerings. So we live on 80 and we give God 20. He totally flipped it the other way. He lived on 20, he gave God 80. Yep. Okay. Um, there's a lot more stories we could tell you, but I think we're going to move on. Okay. First John 3.17, this is one that we just... Oh, we just put it in there? Yeah, this, this is the screen. one that we just actually, we read this in our worship this worship morning. Yesterday, we said, oh, so, man, yeah. this is perfect. All right, it says, But whoever has this rule's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So, you know, just when we see need around us, we need to respond and not hold back for our own selfish okay, purposes. Okay, and again, from... Um, Councils on Stewardship, which is a book that we highly recommend. Um, the spirit of gain-getting, of making haste to be rich, of this all-absorbing worldliness is painfully contradictory to our faith and doctrines. That's pretty clear. She's trying to get a picture. Um, it's contradictory. It's, you know, but that's what the devil does, doesn't he? He takes whatever God wants and he makes something that looks very appealing exactly opposite. So what is it that we can do with these extra finances when we get them? When God gives us extra, what can we do? We already talked about worthy student funds. Um, help my, my parents, when I was a kid growing up, they helped sponsor a few kids through Adventist Christian education. They just believed in it, and so they helped some needy people. And it was a blessing. They went on to, those people went on to do great things for God as well. So we have another quote. Oh, Matthew 10, 8, yes. Freely you have received, freely give. This is another powerful quote. Are there not around you poor and suffering ones who need warmer clothing? 
better food, and above everything else, that which will be most highly prized, sympathy and love. What have you done for the widows, the distressed, who call upon you to aid them in educating and training their children or grandchildren? How have you treated these cases? Have you tried to help the orphans when anxious, soul-burdened parents or grandparents have asked you and even begged you to consider their case? Have you turned them away with unfeeling, unsympathetic refusals? If so, may the Lord pity your future, for with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Can we be surprised that the Lord withholds his blessings when his gifts are selfishly perverted and misapplied? And, you know, we had some of these quotes yesterday, too, about how it seems like we have no problem problem um, lavishing gifts on our kids and for birthdays and Christmas and Thanksgiving, and yet we totally forget about lavishing our gifts on God. So just some things to give us a different perspective. Okay, outside of Tyson. So we talked a little bit about last time how the Hebrew, in the Hebrew economy, that they didn't cut the corners of the fields they were gleaning. And if the sheaves fell, they didn't go over it again. They left that for people who needed to go do that. And uh, same thing with grapes and olives. So we need to also have a corner of our financial budgets where that is readily available to help those whom the Lord would bring across our path that need help. And if you put that in your monthly budget, maybe there's nobody this month or next month or the next month, but then there might be somebody who shows up who needs a little bit more than your monthly budget allows, but you have an aggregate from which to draw down to make a more generous gift that might meet the need. And, you know, we talk about this big outside of tithes and offerings because um, that is, that's expected from God. You know, he says, have you robbed me? And he, um, we say, wherein have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. That is something that should be a routine. But in addition to the Israelites' tithes and offerings came these gleanings from the field. You know, and you can walk through anybody's field if you were hungry and take food, um, as well as, as uh, the gleanings. So when you're making your budget, you set up your tithes, you set up your offerings, then set up some margins where you can be generous with somebody else. And I, we talked about this yesterday. That, that actually is the funnest part of our budget. Absolutely. Um, yes. I, I do enjoy tithes and offerings, but, you know, I give it to the storehouse, so I don't always get to exactly see what happens to it, you know. The tithe goes. I know it goes to the pastor salaries. I know that, but it's not as tangible. But once I've given my tithes and offerings, and then we put another 10% aside in our budget to help whoever we need, it doesn't happen every month. So the months that it doesn't happen, we just accumulate it. And then... You know, there's a kid going on a mission trip or somebody who really needs help with Christian education. Or, you know, we have people call and, and, and we're, we can really get into this. And when do you help and when don't you help? Because that is a whole picture. <laughs> but, you know, if we have church members who are really struggling and, and need a new appliance, we have something with, we're with to be able to help them, which is really a lot of fun because then it's a tangible gift. And our kids enjoy doing that, too. And I also encourage our, our children, when we're teaching our children back to tomorrow, or yesterday, um, you know, to do that as well. They like to be able to give gifts where they can see, you know, see the results. For them to put the money in the offering doesn't it always impact them the same way, because they're very literal and very, they want it, they're very tangible. So when they can actually take a gift basket to somebody who needs it and see the expression on that person's face, um, 
it gives them a taste for giving that, that, that they just love it and they want to do it again. So we're, tra- we're thinking of something a little creative this Christmas. We're thinking about putting a certain amount of money to each of our three children. We'll be together for the first time in a few years. Uh, it's a gift for them to find somewhere to invest it in the community that where there's a need. So they get the fun of doing that, you know, and then... So what the- we would normally put into their Christmas gifts, we're going to say, this amount of money is yours to put wherever you want to help somebody else. That'll make it a lot of fun. Yeah, well. Now, we have already talked a little bit about this whole, um, um, this, this balance, this tension between um, laying up for yourself, like go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. She lays up in, you know, so we need to be um, good stewards and taking care of our families by laying up. And yet, on the other hand, and this is the text I didn't, it was Matthew 25, 24. The stone, so. where, no, where it talks about, you know, even the it, Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. The, um, the, the grass of the field, the lilies, they don't, um, so they don't sow, they don't prepare their clothes, but they're much better than Solomon. Are you finding it? Yeah, oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Read it. Uh, just a couple, yeah, a couple of the verses there where it talks about. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither reap nor sow, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Very good. So you see, you see the balance. We, we, can, we can fall off either ditch. You know, we can just save and save and say, oh, you know, I, I'm being an ant. I'm being an ant. I'm saving up. And, or we can say, whatever, and just not even take care of our finances, and the money just just flies out, and we're not careful with it. And so it, it is a balance. And that's why we say that each one of you have to be convicted in your own heart from God where you come on that continuum, where your balance is. Um, I know our son, Jonathan, he's way off on one side. <laughs> But for him, it's an act of faith. He, he wants to be like George Mueller. He really wants to live that life of faith. And um, God has come through for him time and time again that just blows my mind. Um, I have not felt that call like he has, but some people have. And God, God can take care of them just like he can take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. So that's, that's the balance. You need to lay up, but you don't need to worry about it, right? Okay, so, uh, no, I didn't have a text on that. Okay. Sorry. So one of the things that is helpful is to have a financial advisor. So if you're wanting to end, I think we're going to be getting into, let's, let's go to Psalms 119, there we go. 24. Go ahead. And... Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And there's another text that talks about in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. So, actually, we had an interesting experience. Um, the, somebody offered us a free financial assessment. It was a financial planner. 
So we thought, oh, we'll check it out, you know. And, of course, they sell life insurance and other things. And so they came in, they, they looked at our stuff, they go, wow, you guys are doing amazing. Because, of and, course, we had no debt, so yeah. they were blown away because that's not what they usually deal with. So then they begin to tinker and say, well, you're giving an awful lot away, you know. This, um, yeah, you're giving a lot of offerings. Yeah, a lot of offerings. You know, you could cut back on that and invest and then because you want the compounding interest. So you, you take that now and invest it, and then you can give more later. So really conventional wisdom, you know, you have to be careful. And there's a neat organization that uh, we're going to talk about. Right now. Go ahead, why don't you mention that? Okay, so it's, it's on your handout sheet on the back side, I think, where I have uh, resources. It's called Kingdom Advisors. And those are financial planners who come from the same perspective as we do <laughs> on finances and, and, and godly finances. Um, but even within that, and, and so you go there and you find somebody that might be closer to you. Um, I have to say, when you, when you have a different perspective on finances than most people, even some Adventist financial planners don't come from the same mindset that I do. So you need to find somebody, if you're going to ask somebody to help you with your finances, that you feel comfortable with, that is on the same page as you. So even within that list, you know most of these people will give you um, a, a free initial assessment. And you go and you sit down and you, you find out, do you feel comfortable with their philosophy? Does it match yours? So we did. One of the things that we had done was early when we got married is we began to put money away for retirement. Um, they had matching plans from the denominational employment of the hospital system that we worked for. And so we put some out there in secular funds, like uh, mutual funds um, in different places. And, you know, since that time, we learned about screened funds. And um, one of the things I didn't like was the fact that both of our mutual funds, they're investing in things like alcohol, and smoking, you know, so they invested in, they were profitable. I mean, smokers usually don't quit, so you got a steady, you know. But at the same time, we don't believe in smoking, and we don't want to allow anybody to get wealthy using our money to help other people to smoke because it's against our, our principles of health as a body temple of the Holy Spirit. So then this, there's companies out there now that do screening, and they will screen for whether or not any of the monies from those companies support abortion, uh, whether or not they support, and with charitable contributions, the LGBT community, or whether or not it's smoking or drinking or any of that. They didn't, and so they have what they call clean stocks because they constantly research that. They have what they call what? Screened stocks, or clean, clean, clean stocks. Clean or screen, yeah. either one. So, and you can, you can uh, screen at different levels. For example, um, one agency, one religious agency, doesn't screen for alcohol and smoking. They don't have a problem with that, but they certainly do against abortion. So you know that none of the monies are going to the abortion, but you know it's probably going to alcohol and uh, smoking companies. So anyway, we actually shifted our money out of those organizations, and we put it in clean stocks because we want to advance the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of darkness. But some people are, um, have different convictions on that. So we're not, again, we're not here to be the Holy Spirit and to say that's just what we have done with ours. So I, I think I might have put this one on your sheet. I don't remember. It's um, csiwealth.com. 
Okay, it is on there. All right, so this one, um, if that is something that interests you. Um, yeah, we're the, not trying to promote anything. We're not trying way. to promote anything. We have nothing to gain from but this. But this website has quite a few different places that have screen funds, I think. Yeah, okay. So there's, there's a Timothy plan that has a lot of screen funds. There's Guidestone. There's Eventide. So you can go through these and um, do a little bit of research if that's something that you feel convicted of. Um, and also, as long as I'm here on my um, internet browser, um, um, I didn't give that one to you because that's probably not a big thing. Okay, this is the ad, uh, this is the website for Kingdom Advisors and um, certified Kingdom Advisors are financial planners, but they've gone a step further in being trained to be kingdom advisors, which means they're supposed to be having a, a more um, a giving philosophy. But even within that, you're going to find different people. Yeah, it's just they're very biblically based. Yeah. That's their goal is to be biblically sound in their principles of what they encourage you. So then what you do is, you know, you want, if you want to find a professional, you just click on it, and then you put in your zip code, and they tell you, well, oh, you know what, I can't because I don't have internet here. Yeah, I don't have internet, so I can't even show you. But anyway, it just gives you, and then there's a whole bunch of different ones. And, and you call them and you talk to them and you just feel them out. This is, this is for if you're at this retirement stage where you, I'm, I would not do this when you're starting out. You know, you don't have enough money to make it worthwhile. But if you're getting close to retirement, you have a nest egg that's built up. And it probably would benefit you to just have a little bit of um, advice. We are not financial planners. So I am not going to be up here helping any of you do any of your vesting because I, I'm not qualified. And even our guys at the conference don't do that. So that's something that you would need to get advice from somewhere else. I know that there are people who really study this out hard on their own and feel like they can do it on their own. Um, and that's great if, if you're up there. But if you're not comfortable with that, doing that on your own, find somebody that you trust who has the same philosophy as you and that you feel like you can work with. Your text for multitude of advisors mm -hmm. is Proverbs 11 14. Yeah. There's a lot of texts we didn't get down in. And as we're going through, it's like, oh man, we should add that one. Oh man, we should add that one. And I never get them all in. Okay. Um, Ecclesi oh, that was another one. Okay. Ecclesiastes. I, boy, I don't know how I messed all these up. It, does somebody have Ecclesiastes 2 11 and 6? I want you to read that one too. We can get somebody who can read that. Ecclesiastes 2, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, verse 2 and 6. This is our sword drill, you know, remember how we used to do that as kids? Yeah. She's got to get it. Verse 2, uh, verse, yeah, 2 and verse 6. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. And verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Did you all hear that okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. So what we get out of oh <laughs> so what we get out of this is um that's why we prefer personally to use mutual funds because it is diversified. If you put all of your, you know the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket, That's, that comes from the Bible verse that she just read, because we don't know what's going to happen. 
And um, so you divide it among six or seven. And the other thing that I really like about that is because we don't know the future. Who does? God's the only one who knows the future. What? Yep, God. Yeah. So um, he has not chosen to reveal to us which stocks are going up and which stocks are going down. So we're not going to know that. So you diversify, and that helps to mitigate the risk a little bit. But I know that there are some who are really leery about investing in stocks at all, and I, I understand that. Um, when we invest in stocks, we're, we're investing for our retirement. We're not trying to get rich quick. This is, it's a long haul. So we stick it in there, and we forget we about it. it. <laughs> we don't do market timing and say, oh, it looks like it's down. Let's put it in here, and then hopefully it'll go up. And because a lot of times, I remember my brother, when we had the 2008, the market went down. My brother pulled out my parents' money at that point, and then he waited for a year when it was back at this point, and he put it back in the market. And, you know, if he just left it there, he could have ridden it out and let it go. But by doing that, he lost a lot, a lot of tens of thousands so of dollars. So that comes back here to the lure of speculation. That we're going to talk about other parts. But speculation is not what it's at. We're not, we're not here to speculate. We're not here to say, oh, you know, we're here for the long haul. And so I'm not saying don't ever look at it. I think a yearly review is probably prudent. But if you're in there every week or, or every day checking the market, is it going up? Your emotions are going to be on that same roller coaster as the market. And that, that's not what God is wanting for us. So you're putting it away for the long term. The market's going to go up and down. But I also believe, and I, I don't have this quote either. It just popped into my mind. Um, that if we are faithful and we ask God, Lord, when do you want us to pull out? He will let us know. But we need to be serious about that. And that needs to be a matter of prayer on our part. It's like, God, when do you want? You know, we had a house... <laughs> And for a long time, I felt like it was time to sell. And my husband said no. And I said, God, we are not going to sell until we're both on the same page. And then a few years later, Bob says, you know, what? I think we probably should go ahead and sell the house. And so we did. And I am so thankful because a few years later, the Paradise Fire came through and burned the whole thing down. But, you know, God revealed it in his time. Um, and we just have to trust him and we have to be ready to, lead, uh, to, to follow when he leads. You know, if you feel that impression then you need to go with it because that's, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you have to listen to the Holy Spirit's impression. Um, it was at the peak of the value of the house when Elsina said, you know, I'm feeling impressed that we should get rid of the house. And I'm thinking, let's ride this Higher. money Higher. You know, <laughs> income thing as long as far as it will go. But it was the end, really. And uh, so we, we didn't take a loss, but we didn't make much of a gain either. So if we had listened, if I had listened to that... We would have been a lot yeah, better. I, 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 still, I prayed about it. I said, yep. God, you have to have us both on the same page. So he had a reason. I don't know what it is, but he had a reason. Yep. So, okay, anyway, <laughs> enough about that. Wait, um, wait while okay. we're talking about that, okay. there's going to come a time when your money is going to be absolutely worthless to you. Right. And uh, Ellen White's given counsel that, that we should pray. And if we would pray about it, God would reveal to us when to pull that money out. We're talking about all the money. You know, God will impress each one individually. It might not be everybody's going to get the same impression at the same time. Well, thankfully, because God yeah. needs money as he goes. He doesn't need all of it just at one spot. So. Yep. So for some people, it might be like if there's a special project, some major radio station comes open or something like that, and 
people, you know, God impresses them, you know, why don't you pull the money out? They don't know. Maybe they're only a year or two away from dying. You never know what the future holds, but God does know. So we really need to um, put everything on the altar and say, God, reveal to us your plans. You know, we, last thing, Ellen White talks about those who go through time of trouble, you know, if they had not put the money into the work, they would be fretting during the time of trouble when they're under great duress and stress. And you don't need that. So if we trust God, say, Lord, you tell us if there's a time in our life where this money should come out to go to the cause, all of it, or however much, please impress us because we want to be faithful. We're going to be talking even more about this tomorrow, so we might have some of those quotes. I think they might be in tomorrow's talk. Right. Um, the, 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 the point is we need to make this a matter of prayer. Um, That's where the faith comes in. Yes, yep. Absolutely. Um, okay, now we already talked a little bit about the allure of speculation about trying to ride the market. We don't want to do that. Absolutely not. There's another kind of speculation. Um, we're going to let you read this. One. Okay. The desire to engage in speculation in buying up a country and city lots or anything that promises sudden and exorbitant gains has reached a fever heat. And mind and thought and labor are all directed towards securing all that is possible of the treasure of earth in the shortest possible time. That's key. You're trying to get as much as you can in as little amount of time. And that's totally against what the Bible is talking about. Steady plotting, remember? Some of our youth bid fair to hasten on, bid to, to I'm sorry, bid fair to, to be hastened on to ruin because of this feverish grasping for riches. This desire for gain opens the door of the heart to temptations of the enemy. And the temptations that come are of such an alluring nature that there are some who cannot resist them. So we just really need to guard our hearts and our minds from this, this grasping after wealth. Because it's going to take us down if we do. It's a gamble. It's a gamble, absolutely. And... You know, we talked about gambling yesterday. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Um, or maybe the day before. I don't remember now. Um, the whole point of gambling is the devil is just is getting our hearts that it's just one more pull of the handle our way or one more game and, and I, can, I can erase all my losses and I can make all this money and my life can be easy and I can do it just like that. You I know, win the lottery. Yeah, the win the lottery. Oh. How much money is lost trying to get that really quick gain? So to any questions, comments, feedback? Yeah. Your mutual funds, do you wonder as much difference in gains and losses when you went to the green ones versus the other ones? I'm just curious how they put this blast or it was about the same. You know, we just moved to um, less, three, three, less, three years ago. Two, two years ago? Uh, yeah, no, 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 it's been two years. Um, and again, we, it was something that we were feeling very convicted of. So we actually lost a little bit in moving it. Now, once it's in there, it's done just about the same as anything else. It really has. It's, it's like the regular market. Um, Anytime you move money and you're putting it, starting a new fund, sometimes there's front loads. Um, we chose to take the hit up front. That was just a decision that we made. Um, so we did lose a little bit in that. 
But I, and, I, and I've talked to Bob, I said, even if it doesn't keep up with all the other markets, oh, that was the other thing I was going to talk about. Okay. Um, I, we felt like we were following God's leading. There's a lot of times where the world says one thing and God says another, and I just ignore what the world says, even if it makes financial sense. Um, I know that some people were asking, what if you don't feel comfortable with the market? And so, um, you know, you can stick it in the bank, but we have to be careful about that because remember the, the, the servant who buried his talent in the earth? We, we can't, God expects us to, to be proactive, so I don't think he just wants us to bury it. But so is, if you a, don't do banks, what do you do? So there are, there are other things. You know, honestly, in the book... Lake Union Revolving Fund does 2%. Uh, that one's for sure. You can do that one right off the top. But they, that's got some limits on it, though. It's like they want you to make, you know, your contribution. They don't want you to do one pull a year. And not, it's not like a, a it's bank. It's not a bank. It's like, so that loans, that, that money you put in there goes out to the advancing building churches or whatever. So, so that's even one. If, yeah, and even if we didn't get the same kind of rate of return on that, because there, you know, there are places where you can go and get CDs, that give you a fairly decent rate. And we don't get the same rate at the Lake Union Revolving Fund that I could get on some CDs. But for me, the loss is worth it because the money is being used for God's work. And so, you know, I'm totally okay with having just a smaller, a little bit smaller percentage. But that's just for, that's more, we put our emerge, our personal emergency fund in there. I do mine in three different places mm -hmm. because I'm scared of this the same thing. Like I say, maybe scared is the right word. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should bury our talents. Right. I think that's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So I do certain ones, but I've never actually looked at some of the mutual funds for the investing. I have a self-directed one, and mm -hmm. then I have one that's just a growth of mutual stocks and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I was impressed that you looked into what your money was going to be. Now you're going to force me. <laughs> so, you know, each of no, those... Uh, remember, we said, we're not telling you what to do. The Holy Spirit is impressing you. <laughs> each of the ones that she mentioned are like a family. They have different stocks, that diff they have different focuses, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so, yeah. But so, it's all clean. That's what I like about it. It's all clean. And um, some of the um, financial planners with Kingdom Advisors can actually look at the stocks that you have mm -hmm and tell you, they can run a report that shows you how much of that money is being invested in different, um, like with pornography or with, you know, they can actually just give you a, a whole breakdown so that you can see what you have already in your, in your portfolio, how it is put out there. Because it's really hard sometimes to read those prospectuses and figure all that out, but they have a, a computer program, they just spit it in there and it tells you exactly where the money is going. And you look at that, and it's like, oh, man, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. And then yeah. you want to make a change. Yep. That's what we did. So um, anyway, back to the Lake Union Revolving Fund. Um, like you said, it's not a bank account. You can't do ins and outs all the time. You, they let you take a withdrawal a year, or they encourage that. It's not hard and fast. But, um, you know, that's, the Lake Union Revolving Fund is what helps us build churches in our, in our conference. Um, if a church is needing a, a, a loan, for a major improvement or like if, if, if a heater goes out, you know, we have our own math funds, but when that's not enough and the church needs to take a loan, it always takes it from the Lake Union. And so I know that when I'm putting my money in the Lake Union, it's going to help individual churches or entities within our Lake Union that need some help. And it's just a good feeling to know that your money is working for God. 
How did you find out about Lake Bend? You can go online, actually. I, you can uh, have to look at the Lake Union webpage, or you can call them. Because our treasurer at one of our churches, our churches puts all of its reserves in Lake Union Revolving Fund. We don't want it going to the secular banks. We want it to be benefited by the church. But not all churches do that, because not all churches even know about it. You're right. It's not... It should be a secret, because I, not that I know everything, but that's mm-hmm. what I well, and it's not it's not a real bank, so it's not FDIC insured. So it's not it's not the same level and it's um but yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Has Michigan do anything like that? Michigan conference? Yeah. You know, you'd have to go to a constituency meeting when they do their financials, they have all of that. I have no idea. I don't know how much or, or where or any of that stuff. I know that um, I'm the school treasurer for our school, and and uh, we carried you know a balance in the checking account. For goodness sakes, it was all checking. We were getting zero for it, and I you know I was like, you guys, we had a you know we have forty thousand dollars sitting in the bank. We had to at least get one percent. You know, I know it's not a lot, but after a while, it starts adding up. So um, I contacted the Lake Union and said, you know, our school would like to, but they don't just do it for entities, they do it for individuals as yes, well. They do, yeah. But I said, you know, our school would like to put our excess, our, our reserve into Lake Union, and it, you know, you have some paperwork you have to fill out, but it works well. So we had, uh, on our board, we have somebody who was a CEO of one of the companies up in Traverse. He went through and he read through all the specs on the Lake Union Revolving Fund. He said, this is actually a very sound enterprise. He said, I really like this. This is a good deal for us. Yeah. So, so you can contact the Lake Union and you ask them about the Lake Union Revolving Fund. That's what it's called. Say that you'd like to, you know, put some money into it. So let's have prayer. Father, thank you so much that you've given us all this wisdom and counsel from your word. And uh, we're just thankful that you entrust us with these talents to be invested to advance your kingdom. So Lord, just help us to be faithful. So when you come, we can hear the words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this promise in our life in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.